I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. When NFT was named Collins Dictionary's Word of the Year in December, the marketing world sat up and took notice. Use of the abbreviation rose by a staggering 11,000% in 2021, as musicians like Grimes, original memes and celebrities including Quentin Tarantino cashed in on a new trend. By the time Warner Brothers started rebuilding the Matrix franchise as NFTs in November, the technology was already attracting massive attention from marketers, with hype merchant Gary Vaynerchuk going all in and saying that he doesn't see a world where NFTs are not an infrastructure in our society. And if Gary V says it, it must be true. But NFTs have left most marketing communications professionals scratching their heads, and commentary on them has varied wildly. While some have written about NFTs as one of the enablers of changing the way we communicate in the future, others have been rather less impressed. Mark Ritson wrote a piece for Marketing Week in January entitled NFTs are just marketing's latest idiot magnet. Ouch. Many of us working at the coalface have been struggling, and mostly failing I have to say, to get our heads around the whole NFT Web3 metaverse thing. In a bid to learn through experience, I took on an NFT project at the back end of 2021, but even that left me little the wiser as to what the future may hold. And I'm far from alone in that. Since the turn of the year, I've been sharing knowledge and swapping war stories with others grappling to fully understand the implications of NFTs for marketers. And that's where the origins of today's show lie. After I posted on LinkedIn about my NFT experiences, I struck up an email communication with today's guests, Stephen Waddington and Scott Guthrie, about trying to get our heads around Web3 and how exhausting it is reading so many different views and explanations and opinions and predictions. And it occurred to me, let's just talk through it, record it and put it out there. So what you're going to hear today is just that, a pretty raw and unedited half hour of us just chewing the fat, swapping ideas and trying to come up with some answers. Did we do that? Honestly, no. In fact, we've probably ended up with more questions than when we started. But in this instance, if it makes you think and you'd like to get involved in an ongoing learning dialogue, please just get in touch. Before we get into that, though, during the ongoing research I did about NFTs and Web3, I saw a poll on LinkedIn by a friend of mine, social media commentator Matt Navarra. He'd asked the question, what is the metaverse? 713 votes later, and 53% of people had opted for overhyped marketing bullshit. I asked him what he makes of it all. The poll I put out about the metaverse really was just slightly mocking and um, sceptical and cynical about the whole push towards the metaverse. I think that we've had this period of time where, where meta has introduced the concept to the world and has really amped it up and hyped it up. And I think as advertisers and marketers, we we look for the next shiny, fun thing to do or the new, new exciting thing to, to work on that might be the next big thing. Uh, and you're 
always want to be at the cutting edge of that kind of stuff. So um, people were tapping into that and, and rightly wanting to know what the future might hold for for that area of, of the business. And I think that that now has shifted from being interested and excited and curious to being slightly more sceptical and, and dubious and, and hesitant when the rea- realisation has been made amongst a, a growing number of people that actually a lot of this stuff could be quite some time away and that the the efforts that Meta are making to, to bring the Metaverse into people's lexicon is, is actually uh, more more hype than it is uh, potentially a reality for people certainly in the short to medium term and the results of the poll you know majority of people sort of saying it was overhyped marketing bullshit um, is kind of the vibe I'm getting from people that I trust and respect and are, are in the know and is my opinion of where we are with majority of this stuff to do with the metaverse. It's clear that Matt shares my view that for most businesses the metaverse won't mean much in the short term. There are quite simply too many unknowns around what could, should or might be at this point in time. The metaverse is, in my opinion, years away from becoming anything substantial. But what of NFTs specifically? What are they and how do they link to Web3 and a new iteration of the internet? To address these questions, we're going to start right at the very beginning. What even is an NFT? Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token, and that immediately begs the question, what the hell is a fungible token? Here's Scott to kick us off. A fungible token would be something like a £10 note. Uh, Why? Because if you tore a £10 note, you can go into uh, a bank and ask the teller behind the glass to exchange that that broken £10 note for uh, a, a £10 note. You can also break it into two. You can ask the, the teller to, to change it into two £5 notes or, or 10 £1 notes. All of those would add, would add, would add to the, the, the sum of the £10 note, the, the value of £10. So non-fungible means that there isn't an immediate value. There's not a unique value. You can't do like for like. So that could be a piece of art. That could be a second-hand car that could be you know in terms of the real world that could be lots of different things that don't have an absolute value for like for like i think in, in the realms of the nfts there are the uh, there are optimists and there are opportunists yeah the optimists will say well this is great we can do lots of things with it we can use it as a, a way to as an investment tool and we saw Beeple, I think it was uh, it, he was a digital artist that made $69 million last year from a piece of digital art that he made. So it can be around, uh, it can be about accruing a future investment. Uh, but it also can be about, I think, uh, adding value. And, and I'll, possibly we'll talk about that a little bit down, down the track about it's not just about a receipt for something, but it can also open up a community. So, for example, a musician might uh, offer... Uh, an NFT for a new album, which might have hidden tracks for those that have bought the NFT rather than those listening to it mm-hmm. on Spotify. There might be you know, a, uh, a special discount for merchandise. There could be lots of other things, an incentive and part of the community. The opportunists, they don't care. I mean, they could be, you know, they could be selling uh, the, the new Beanie Babies from 20, 20 uh, years ago. You know, they, they don't, they, 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 they sense a Wild West. And when there's a Wild West, there's a buck to be made. So I think there's opportunity and I think there's, there are uh, optimists. 
no one really knows where it's, it's going. I know uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is making a lot of money. He's done some stuff with uh, Budweiser. But is this a blip or is this a long-term investment tool? Yeah. As far as I can tell at the moment, the, the, the energy around, a lot of the energy around uh, NFTs appears to be speculation and investors talking up markets to make a fast book. Yeah. There are isolated cases of where creators uh, have, have you know, created a token or created an asset, virtual asset that they've sold, but they're, they are isolated and they're on the edges. I think, can we go up maybe to a high level? Isn't this discourse and, and you know, we've kicked around stuff over the last three months or so trying to get our heads around this uh, amongst this group, which is why we're having this conversation today. Isn't this the bigger concept here, the, the metaverse and this, this notion that we live in a physical world with physical objects, physical assets. The metaverse is a virtual world, virtual assets represented by NFTs, Bitcoin or alternative currencies. Uh, and, and then this whole notion of services, web services moving into the virtual sphere through two-dimensional and three-dimensional services. Is that right? Yeah, and, and I guess from, from my perspective, that's where I think there's so much confusion around this is because... You know, like you said, Scott, the, the way you view an NFT at the moment is a piece of, generally, it's a piece of digital art. Now, that could be a you know, a, a graphic file or a, a video or a music file or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I, I think you're right in, in that the step on or the step up from that is what else can it be? You know, how can it be used for more than trying to flog 10,000 pictures of apes, you know? Well, I think an NFT is a subset of what is Web3. Yeah. And what one sort of the, the open metaverse is Web3 version of the metaverse. So there, there are yeah. three, you know, there, there are three titles here. You've got Web3, you've got the metaverse, you've got NFTs, and then within that you've got the D, DAOs as well, which no doubt we'll, we'll come on to. I think long once we get rid of the, the, the froth and we get past, the, you know, what, what are the opportunities then we could talk about insurance for example what you know if we are if web3 is about decentralization and about sort of ownership of of stuff that is kind of what how insurance starts out isn't it pooling risk so maybe a future iteration of nfts and and web3 might be pooling risk around an insurance so you know rather than going to aviva to get your car insurance you'd go to a web3 version with with your extension of, of friends and family so yes today we're talking about digital art and often the creative industries are at the forefront of of, of newness aren't they but once it's sort of earned its spurs and, and becomes normalized then there are other sort of more mainstream and more mundane more average ways to uh, to work with the, these things and Web3, again, this is my understanding of what Web3 means, but feel free to chip in and correct me on this. We're talking about something decentralized, so essentially it's shifting power away from the likes of Google and Facebook and Amazon or all these platforms that are on have, have come to dominate Web2. So in a Web3 world, you use a blockchain and you have essentially free access to to go around the internet with with your own personal perhaps security one one data login for everything your information is stored on the blockchain rather than with 
Facebook or Google or whoever. Is that what you, your understanding of this is? Yes, and and again to to Scott's point around the froth and heat in the in the market, you know, it's Meta, Facebook. That's you know the large corporates that are piling into this Twitter, yeah. that are, are trying to figure out a Web three vision of their own services and offering. Every organization seems to be looking, or every large tech organization, and much of this is. Know, Silicon Valley based, driven by venture capital, is building its own version of a metaverse. So a set of services that, you know, like we saw in the 90s with ISPs creating services behind a, a, a paywall. So, you know, there's a lot of, a, you know, at a very pure abstraction, uh, Paul, you're completely right. But then I think a lot of the confusion comes from the fact that we're in a land grab like the early days yeah. of the internet where commercial organizations are trying to grab pieces of this and and, and own it and meta's the best one best example yeah and, and my take on it was that the, the the meta relaunch from facebook and this whole thing about the metaverse that was the first time most people had heard of this and so people are now associating the metaverse with facebook and they think it's a facebook thing whereas in reality it's not. It's it's a it's it's kind of a virtual world. That's the easiest explanation of it, right? There's a really interesting point there, and I think Web three, in its purest sense, where the nirvana of Web three is that it's built on interoperability. So, in an ideal world, the nirvana world, uh, the open metaverse, and we've talked about Zuckerberg trying to throw his arms around what the what the metaverse yeah. might be. Uh, the the nirvana for Web three would be a, a metaverse where users can hop from Fortnite to Roblox to Meta and bring them with them their own data, their own NFTs, uh, their own blockchains, with all with them without friction. That you know that that is that is the Nirvana. That's what the optimists say. The Zuckerberg was trying to say, well, let's reinvent Web Point Two, which was the walled garden, which was yeah, you can play, but you can play on. Mm. My game on my rules on my metaverse. So you know, it's, as as yeah. one says, there's a land grab, and no one really knows what's going on at the moment. But people are trying. Uh, maybe we can come on to Second Life down the track in this conversation. Well, well, let's talk about that now because you know that that's the one that you're right. I mean, that you think in my understanding, that's exactly what I think of is Second Life, which was how long ago that now? Fifteen years? Twenty years? I don't know. Long uh, time. Uh, not, I looked it up this morning. Nineteen years. It was June uh, two thousand and three. Yeah, and at that time, see, I remember that, and I remember Second Life being around, and no one really understanding it, but typical marketers going, right, we need to get on 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 Second Life, and the same happened with, you know, Pokemon Go when that was around a few years ago. Right, marketers, how do we get into Pokemon Go? How do we sell our stuff there? And it strikes me that that is the exact same conversation that people are having now. How do, how do we get into this thing and flog stuff? I think the, the creative industries are our first, you know, we, we've got good environmental scanners. We, we're able to see opportunities and pounce on them. But we also live in this bubble where we all think that everybody's talking about it and everyone's getting as excited as we do. So, you know, so we don't always get it right. But just, just a, I did a little bit of reading up this morning about Second Life and, and where we were. But it's about you know it's about scale and it's about likability and about usability. So uh, Second Life, you've talked about lots of creative agencies trying to rush into that twenty years ago, but it only ever managed a million active users, just just a million. 
Yeah. So it was ne- it was always a niche product. It was a geeky product. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even for mass. Uh, it wasn't for the mass market. And what by my geeky was scale depends on awareness. It scale depends on likability and usability. Usability depends on I think fun and user experience. And Second Life was designed by engineers, not by designers. So there was an issue around that. There's also an issue around uh, timing because remember, you know, 2003 that was pre-smartphones. That was pre- that was pre yeah. sort of uh, high-speed internet. Only 10% apparently of of Americans had access to a laptop and and high-speed broadband. And so that it was only going to be small. Now, of course, you know we, we've got smartphones, but where you know what sort of kit do you need to to use the metaverse? And and how you know and what's the utility for it? How what can you do on it? So we saw you know in two thousand and six, I think we saw Leo Burnett race into into uh, Second Life and uh, created a, a, an agency there. We saw Hegarty uh, and his agency race in uh, to to create uh, an agency for Second Life. You know wh- where are they now? And we're seeing very similar things, of course, mm. with um, with the metaverse. Because there's a there's a, a fear of missing out. There is trying to be first against competitors, and there is wanting to be this relentless search for relatability, without actually doing the sums and seeing is that what our audience actually wants? Yeah, and uh, do you know what? That is my my biggest question around all of this stuff is is this? I mean, at the moment, my answer to this would be no. But is this something that people actually want? And that's where I'm struggling with it a bit. I think is that you talked about Second Life there and it not being mass market. Maybe it's just because it's so early in this thing that, you know, you're not going to get adoption at this stage. But I don't know, that that's where I'm struggling with it a bit, if I'm honest. I did, there's so many different things here that, that are piled into the label of Web3 Web and, and yeah. the metaverse. You know, the notion of 3D virtual environments does go back to, to Second Life and has been very popular in the gaming category and some areas of entertainment and arts um so you know there are use cases much of it depends on highfalutin hardware uh, and glasses and visors and you know specialist technology uh, which is by its very nature going to go niche i you know you're important your your point about marketing and comms and agencies piling into this space the creative sector piling into this space it happens with any new type of technology and you're seeing that same wave of investment at the moment and yeah there's a bit of fear fear of missing out but there's also innovators wanting to to catch the next wave of growth as we've seen with you know social media with digital services and, and so on and and so forth um you know, there's also a, a agencies and, and brands investing in, you know, NFTs and looking at crypto and, you know, it, it happens with any new wave of technology. So, so you work with different agencies, Wads. When you're asked about this stuff at the moment, what are you saying to them? Are you saying to them, just keep your eye on it and, and learn about it? Are you saying experiment with it? Don't expect a return, but experiment it to get to know it. Are you saying, look, it's so early, just forget about it for a couple of years? I mean, what's your position on it at the moment, all this stuff? So this the, this has only got really hot in the last quarter, I'd say, yeah. uh, and brought around, I think, by the focus of Meta. I think that was a moment, yeah. uh, as, as you suggested before then, cryptocurrencies were, were niche amongst um, financial investors. 
So at the moment, I, you know, I don't work with any agency that is particularly leaning hard into this this area of innovation. And, you know, my brief to anyone is keep a watching brief and, you know, read around these these technologies. You know, we saw an announcement last week from WCOMS in London investing in the metaverse and, and creating a spin-off agency. Um, you know, we've seen various announcements from from agencies looking at working in the space of crypto but at the moment these are you know these are pioneers and innovators yeah it's interesting i mean i as you you guys know i took on an an nft project about three months ago in a i went into it with my eyes open because i thought and i chose on purpose i had the choice of taking a fee to do the work or taking a percentage, a cut of the NFTs when they were minted. And minted, by the way, just for people listening, means when these things are actually produced and coded. I chose to take a cut of of the NFT because I figured the reason I went in to do this project was to learn. And we know someone else who's done a similar thing. I think he's getting a fee, but same thing. And it it has opened my eyes just amazingly to this world, I suppose, over the last three months, because I I knew nothing about it before that. But my experience of it is that, I I think you said, Scott, earlier about it being the Wild West, and it it really is. That whole space at the moment is just crazy. I mean, this particular project that I've been helping on and advising on from a social media perspective has, has totally bombed. I mean, it's just there's nothing there. They they, they were minting sort of ten thousand of these, of, of this particular NFT, and I've sold forty or fifty, and that's it. So so the, the guy running it has made you know a massive loss on it because he'd have all the development costs and everything else. When you look at the project itself and what it stands for and how it was set up, it looks like it should succeed, but it hasn't. And what I've kind of come to realize and learned is there is so much in the way of i don't know if scamming is the right word there are scammers out there but so much in the way of opportunism of i think there are networks of twitter accounts and discord accounts out there that work together it might be that you know one person has 20 discord accounts and 20 twitter accounts whatever so there's a lot of that going on where you think you're getting traction with your project and actually it just falls apart at the last minute. So there's a lot of that. There is a lot of people out there offering to promote your project on whether it's Twitter or getting Discord users or whatever they're trying to do and taking, all right, only a few hundred dollars each time. But, you know, they're doing that a lot and they're making good money off it, I reckon. So I've just been, my eyes have been open to this and it's made me think, I don't know. It's made me very negative towards NFTs and thinking I just wouldn't get involved now. Do you know what? I'd like, it's a point well made. So well done you, um, Paul, for for you know putting some skin in the game and and you know learning about the market by actually getting yourself involved in in it. There's no better way to learn. Daryl Sperry, I think, is you you mentioned is the guy yeah. at Hard Numbers doing the same similar sort of thing. You know, he's helping to to promote a project and he's blogging about it as, as he goes. And, and, you know, there is actually no better way to, to learn. Uh, you make a 
good point about the hype and speculation there. We had a really interesting conversation as a result of my son's, uh, my 15-year-old son's Instagram account getting hacked uh, and being used as a to promote um, a crypto scheme. And it was clearly completely bogus and, yeah. uh, and, and was seeking to take over his account to persuade people within his network to, to invest in this scheme. You know, actually, that turned in a, into a learning event for for all of us, both on crypto and just the ways that these, you know, the accounts can be hacked and, and used for this. And I think, yeah, you know, you've got to look at the absolute fundamentals uh, of, you know, what what's being created and and the market. Reusing the, the analogy of the Wild West or, or a gold rush, everyone rushing rushing in yep. there. If you think about, there are a few people that made a lot of money, obviously, clearly out of the gold rush. But actually, it was it was people like Levi making Levi jeans for the workers that made the most money uh, over the longest terms, you know. And people making the, the shovels and the railways made made the most money, not the people actually going out and, and finding the gold. And it, and in, you know, in terms of opportunists that you mentioned there, there is a lot of sort of pile in and get rich quick, fake it till yeah. you make it. More than 80% of NFTs created for free on OpenSea are fraud or spam. Wow. They're either plagiarized works, fake collections, or spam. That, and that's from last week, 80%. So, you know, we talk about rushing in, you know, and uh, and sticking a, a, putting a, a flag in, in the ground. Sometimes it's best just to sort of just, just you know, keeping a, a listening watch on what is going on and learning from that. You know, a- Apple is a great, I think, a, you know, a great believer in being the second mover. We talk about the, the, yeah. the, the, the importance of being first and of being a, a prime mover. I think Apple has is, 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 is done colossally well for, for decades by watching and innovating and making it more user-friendly, waiting until there is sort of that, that adoption curve and then creating it for the consumer, not really being the first person there, but de- developing it and making it friendly. It's interesting, uh, Scott, you mentioned Gary Vayner, but there's, you know, it's also another market that celebs have looked to, celeb influencers have looked to, to use as a way of monetizing their their own network and sphere of influence, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And and that's because they, they've got the the audience. You know, it, you know, uh, to, to make something more valuable, you, it's got to be scarce, and uh, it's uh, you have to have that. You know, people have to know who you are, don't don't you? Uh, but yes, there have been a, a lots of lots that have rushed in. I can't can't think of the the board yacht club. <laughs> what is it, uh, Paul? It's the board ape yacht club. Yeah. Yeah, um, that you know that 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 that's I think interesting in as much as that became you know a, again a fear of missing out. They uh, they started off valuing the NFT at something like two hundred dollars, and now they're going for you know ten tens of thousands of dollars. So there's that yeah. fear of missing out. But also that also that's also an interesting case because it whether it does or not it it offers community. It's not just the receipt of a bit of digital art. It is the community that is being part of a, of a of a gang, and being able to use that avatar on your socials to show you that that we're in an exclusive gang. We no longer care mm. about Rolex watches or you know or, or driving flash cars, but we we can have you know we can we can mark our our, our exclusivity on on socials through these avatars. I don't know if you if you guys had noticed, but Twitter has now introduced the ability to have uh, an NFT as your as your avatar. Basically, you, you plug it directly in, which is quite an interesting move. 
you you were talking about the the audience side of things there and the community and that again that is absolutely spot on because from my experience of this this project a lot of it was around trying to build a community around this project so yes obviously the end goal is to sell the nfts but it's as much when you're doing this process about building a community around this and tr- pulling people into this. And I, I think there are communities out there that work, but I, my impression is they're few and far between. People join hundreds of these things and, you know, leave the ones that, that aren't really of, of, of massive value. Again, if I think about what this stuff can work for now, so regardless of, the, of my cynicism about it, if you're talking about a, a brand with a big following and it's a kind of a very, very in-demand brand, and, and the one that sprang to mind when I was thinking about this yesterday was Harley Davidson. People love Harley Davidson. If you, if you are a fan of Harley Davidson, now Harley Davidson, in theory, could go out and mint a bunch of NFTs, unique things that, that fans and followers want to own. That is how it could work at the moment. Same likewise if you are a, uh, I don't know, singer-songwriter. So you can produce a unique piece of effectively art but you know, uh, and, and sell that on. I can imagine those sorts of people making a lot of money through this, this technology at the moment. Beyond that, which is where the bulk lies, I suppose, that middle part, that's where I'm, I'm not sure there are opportunities at the moment. So, so when people have said to me, "Well, do we need to get involved in this?" I've been like, "Same as you, Wads." I've said, Look, "Just watch it. Don't don't get involved in it because you could spend a lot of time and money and effort on this for for little to no return. But you need to be watching it." Yeah, I agree. I do you know what I, I I looked at Bitcoin and missed out investing early in in Bitcoin and you know look at the price; it's just running away. But um, you know, I, I I'm convinced that that is a fake not a fake market but a market that is being basically built as a pyramid scheme maybe i'll be proven wrong let's let's see do you mean bitcoin itself or cryptocurrency sorry cryptocurrencies but bitcoin is an example of of cryptocurrencies cryptocurrencies more widely though if you you know if you think about um where scott started this conversation with his 10 pound note you know, if we're talking about alternative treasuries, that has, that's going to have a massive implication on wider society. If money's taken out of, you know, treasury systems, sovereign systems, uh, and put into a virtual world, then, you know, what does that mean for the future of society, of this massive transfer of wealth in, into the virtual environment? I think, that, you know, there's, there's massive issues here, potentially, that you know, we also need to think about. You said that you you missed out on on Bitcoin in the early days. You you didn't invest. So do do either of you have cryptocurrency now, or alternatively, have you invested in NFTs? No, I've done neither, and I know admire you for, <laughs> for, for, for putting your money where your mouth is and your learning is for sure. Scott, no, no same, same. I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only re- the only reason I have is because of this project. I now own some Bitcoin and some Cardano, which is one of the other blockchains, one of the other cryptocurrencies. And because of this project bombing, it's really not a lot. But I'd always thought as well, let's say I made several thousand pounds off this project, which didn't happen by a long shot. I was just going to leave it. Um, I figured I would 
not take the money out, not convert it to, you know, sterling and take it away. I was just going to leave it to see what happened. But you say about, you know, cryptocurrencies, you're not convinced it's not a pyramid scheme. I mean, the, the value of cryptocurrency has absolutely fallen through the floor in the last three months. When I started this project, the value of Cardano, one, one Cardano token, was about something around £2-ish. At the current time, I think it's about 80p, and that's in three months. Now, that's not to say it won't recover and go back to where it was and go higher, because I think you have to take a long-term speculative view on this. But it just goes to show how, how volatile it is investing in this stuff as much as anything. What, so, so what resulted in that? What drove that lot, that fall? I think it's linked to what's happening in, in bigger global markets around right. you know, energy prices and everything else. It's, it's not cryptocurrency. I don't think you can view it in isolation to right. the, the world economy at large. Right. So the thinking is that 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 fall, and it, and again, it's, it Bitcoin seems to drive this. So if Bitcoin falls, all the other cryptocurrencies kind of fall alongside it to to yeah. a degree. They, they they differ slightly, but yeah, I, I think it's linked to what's happening in global markets generally. Yeah. So yeah, Bitcoin's fallen fifty uh, percent over the same time. I'm just yeah. looking at the charts. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Similar. And if but if it's... you look at all the others, like Ethereum and Cardano and all the others, mm. they've all fallen a, a similar amount. Mm. Well, that that possibly goes back to your earlier point once about uh, a pyramid scheme, and where you know we, we've heard a lot about it. We've had a lot of froth about it, and partly that's because there are a lot of influencers or internet celebrities that have banged on mm. about it in the past. So Kim Kardashian, for example, has, uh, has, has crowed about uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, and, and so there's a, there's a lot of energy in, in the media and in the creative industries about what it is. But uh, it also underscores the point that it's a, a speculative investment. And we've only ever seen the rise until recently of it just go up and up and up and up and up. And now we're realizing that, you know, that it is an investment and investments can go down as, as, as well as up. And so regulators are, are increasingly looking at cryptocurrencies and crypto assets, so NFTs, as well as, uh, as, well as uh, Bitcoins and uh, Ethereum and, and, and all, the, all the others. So the F Financial and Conducts uh, Authority, the FCA, is is undertaking an audit and a consultation at the moment. The uh, the CMA, the Con the uh, Consumer Markets uh, Authority, uh, is, is undertaking a, cons um, a consultation at the moment. And the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, has recently given out some guidance on how advertisers can work around uh, promoting cryptocurrencies and, and assets. So, you know, again, you know, it's new territory, but the regulators are trying to trying to catch up and that it's a speculative investment. It's not just a one-way bet. Mm. If, if we look at this from a comms and marketing, take that lens on it just for a minute. Mm -hmm. Can you identify any opportunities for us Beyond the idea of, okay, a big brand minting a bunch of NFTs that are going to be in demand so they make some money off it. But from a broader perspective, can you can you identify opportunities down the track, which maybe aren't there at the moment, but you could see potentially coming in the future from any of this stuff? So I think, it, you know, in these virtual spheres, these metaverses, there's an opportunity 
to to create content to be build virtual worlds aligned to the community um, and i think that's what w's investment uh, an announcement last week where was was about you know edging a bet on you know investing in assets in 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 virtual spheres so you know that's kind of a, a an obvious one we talked about nfts you know uh, from a content point of view creating you know creating virtual assets that, that can be shared amongst the community you know potentially that's an opportunity and you know you've just said minting your own um cryptocurrencies scott anything to add to that well not, not nothing really apart from you know it's about the community uh and it's about what value can you give to the community? So it's, it's kind of a little bit, and I know this is one, this is one of his favourite texts, but if Web 1 was sort of characterised by the Clue Train manifesto and Web 2 was kind of characterised by new clues, uh, as in moving from a decentralised to a centralised or walled gardens, then hopefully Web 3, or the nirvana of Web 3, that it, we return to a decentralised, an evolution of the, of the internet. And that will, and that so the, the value then will, is on the creators, but but also on the community rather than the, the middlemen that Web Two is all about. It was about the aggregators making all the money, the platforms making all, all the money, and their walled gardens, the Amazons and the Facebooks mm. and the and the Googles making all the money. So it will return to the creators and the and the consumers or the community. We've got that tension though, haven't we? As we said, you know, Meta's piling in and and trying to repivot around around this but that notion of an open source web where i as an individual carry around my credentials in some form of wallet and you know join instances uh, of services on a transactional basis where you know my credentials are completely decentralized and i own them that you know, could be absolutely fundamental and, and bring about a shift in advertising and privacy and, 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 but it's still being created. I don't have a lot of hope, you know, I, yes, I'm a massive blue train <laughs> advocate, uh, but I don't have a lot of hope because, you know, all this is being driven by Silicon Valley tech investors <laughs> yeah who you know aren't going to let go of the value are they that they've created well yeah, yeah for, for, absolutely for sure especially after uh, last week meta results uh, they're, they're going to try and <laughs> try and recoup those, those losses yeah somehow but if big tech is flexing its its metaverse credentials the metaverse is going to be a, this convergence of a physical and, and a digital world but it has to for it to work. It's got to be moved beyond those walled gardens we just talked about. You know, Meta or, or or Microsoft or or Amazon. It's got to be enabled by a battalion of competing firms and a, a battalion of competing creators. But the more open it is, the harder it will become to moderate. So you've got the, you've yeah. got this dynamic tension again. And you know, real world legal authorities are already struggling to try to work out how to assign jurisdiction. We just talked about the UK alone, the FCA. Uh, the ASA and the CMA, but th- th- we're just one island, you know. Uh, so mm. how, how are we going to work uh, and assign jurisdiction in, in a digital world? There was a, a newsletter I read. He said part of the difficulty with evaluating Web three is the intensity of opinion by intelligent people on both sides. So it'd be mm. easy if it was just one person just bullshitting. But because you know, it, it, this is a guy that, that's got a whole newsletter on it, and he, he can't work it out either. Yeah. Okay. There's hope. There's hope for us. There's hope for us. Massive thanks to Scott and Stephen for their input to this episode. Please look them up on Twitter.
You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.